Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. A magnificent, I think that's a good description for him, a magnificent guest today. It was a guy we like to get on here. We, we can't get him that often because he's just really busy, but we got him today. Uh, he is the founder and the CEO of Divorce.com. It's a divorce coaching, consulting, and family mediation business based here in Hamilton. He's also a former host here on 900CHML of a number of shows. He is a former CHCH reporter. He is a former producer and executive producer and... Uh, I don't even know all the other things that he's done. Anyway, his name is Jamie West, if uh, you haven't figured it out already. Thanks for coming in. Hey, it's great to be here again, and we're we're in. We're actually... You, you were saying it's been three years since you've been pre-COVID? At least pre-COVID since, since you've been, been in. in this studio. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely. Been, it's great to be back. Well, it is. Uh, it looks the same. I, I mean, I tried to fix the place up, but I, it looks pretty much the same. I think they threw a paint job on and did a f- little bit of decorating. It's, it's It looks a little cleaner and nicer than the last time I was yeah, here. Does it kind of look at them like the man cave? Because yeah. uh, the only people right now I think who use this are Rick Zamprin and I. So we, we really should man cave this place up. You really should. We need some neon in here, maybe a pinball machine, a uh, couple of beer coolers, big yeah. screen, 80-inch big screen. That, you know, that 14-inch screen is yeah. not going to cut I know the anymore. CRTC is big on having beer coolers in the studios <laughs> of, of radio hey, what shows. what the CRTC doesn't know won't <laughs> hurt them, right? Yeah, well, you know, well, we can... <laughs> Get a massage table yeah, over there. We can have popcorn machine. We can have our guests getting a massage while they're doing that. Like not it. not from me, yeah. but you know, from <laughs> bring someone in to do that. that would, you know what? That would probably make you come in more often if we offered oh, massages during the show. I'd, I'd be looking. I'd be writing you saying, "Can you come on? <laughs> can I come on the show?" Uh, anyway, okay, well, thanks for coming thanks. in. It's really appreciate you doing this. Uh, did you hear? By the way, before we get going on more serious things, did you hear about um, this uh, Taylor Swift fan? So Taylor, I, I have, I, I'm not really a Taylor Swift. I'm not a Swifty. Swifty. Yeah. yeah. Shocking that I would not be a yeah. Swifty. Well, I'm in the same club as you. Uh, I've never gone to a Taylor Swift concert wearing sequins and uh, <laughs> other apparati. I've been to an Elton John concert wearing sequins well, and s- that sort of thing, but uh, not Taylor Swift. Yeah, anyway. I'm not. I'm that not, was back in the day. But uh, there's no taking away from her appeal to a certain demographic. Oh, for sure. She is as big as hers. Anyway, a Huge Taylor star. Swift fan has put online now, you can bid on this if you want to go on an online, I guess it's probably eBay or somewhere. Um, you can buy a pair, the pair of contact lenses he wore to see her era's tour. So these contacts <laughs> have seen her tour. <laughs> if you want to buy those contacts... They are, it's basically uh, your eyes to the show. $10,000 is the opening bid. Get out of here right now. I mean, I wouldn't pay 10,000, even if I was the biggest Taylor Swift fan in the world, I wouldn't pay $10,000 for a pair of contacts if Taylor Swift had licked them. I I mean, it is, I am amazed. What in the? I am amazed at the, the, uh, entrepreneurship of some people. Yeah, and recognition that the world is whacked and that there's some whack job out there that will buy them. You know <laughs> Somebody what? will. If they had put these up for $200, you don't get any attention, probably no one buys them. Yeah, you, you put them up for 10 grand, you know, someone may just do it. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought well, of this the other day. We were talking the other day, for people who are regular listeners, we were talking the other day, there is this TV auction that's going on from this guy down in the States, James Commissar, I think is his name. Dirk Commissar. Not, not Dirk Commissar. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's, that's some German yeah. music from the 80s. <laughs> that's right. Um, no, this guy was basically an early TV memorabilia collector when they, after shows, they would just throw stuff out. And he, he would go to the bins and scooped it up. And, it up. and he yeah. has, he now has, you know, Johnny Carson's Tonight Show, the entire set. He has the entire set from All in the Family, from the Bunker's house. He's got, it, it's unbelievable. Reminds me of that episode of Seinfeld where Kramer g- grabs Merv Griffin. That's exactly set. what it is. They must have, yeah. That's exactly what it is. And I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> we were talking about this earlier in the week. I mean, what would you pay good money for? And there were some things in that list that I would, you know, one of the life buoy rings from Gil- from the SS Minnow. Sure. Like, I'd hang that in my basement. Well, I'm thinking about things from uh, WKRP, yeah. for example, that I'd be all over uh, Johnny's microphone and well, speaking Herb's of that, jacket and so stuff. So Ben and I were talking because one of the items that's up for sale is Fraser Crane's microphone from his show. Oh, there you go. And I said to Ben, I, I will, I didn't look at the price or anything yet. 
I said, I am in for the first thousand dollar bid. I would, I'd love to have <laughs> Fraser really? Crane's microphone here. That'd be fun. Got, Opening bid, 10 grand. Wow. So I'm out already. I've got one of those old style mics in my basement. I'll sell it to you for a yard JB and a half. West show. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Very popular. <laughs> I, I, Wait till I, I put that up on eBay. Look yeah. $10,000. JB West has screamed into this microphone. <laughs> and spit into it and, and breathed into it. a little spittle. Yes, oh, of course. Yeah, no, sure. some of these things, I, I, <laughs> if I had the money, this, this could be one of those things though, not buying contact lenses that have seen Taylor Swift through someone else's eyes. That's goofy, but that's absurd. If I had endless resources, I could be that person who might be sucked into buying some of that TV show memorabilia. I, I could be that. Oh, I think the I'd odd go, thing. I think I, I'd have a little look, see, I yeah. would, there, there's one or two things in there that I would look at from shows that when you were a yeah. kid or something that really meant one of the things up the entire working, including the, you talk about beer taps, working beer taps, the entire working cheers bar. Oh man, that would be something just transported in an instant put it in your cave, basement. Right? Yeah. You put it in your oh, basement yeah. and you've got the Perfect. bar from cheers. If I had unlimited resources, yeah. I could Archie see myself. Bunker's chair. The whole, you could get his the whole, whole, the whole nine yards. The whole house with all the furniture. Wow. Yeah. It's, Even it's a that set. black phone that he used to say, get away from that phone. The door, Remember? everything. Yeah. Everything. They've, it's all up for, it's up for auction. It's amazing what's up there. And again, I. This one, I, I mean, we were earlier in the week, we were talking about how, you know, you could, <laughs> you could probably get roped into spending some serious dough on this stuff, but uh, contact lenses, someone else's no, contact lenses. Yeah. That's gross. It, it is actually kind of gross. You know? It'd be beyond even like. You could get grosser with that, but I'm not going to on the air, but you think about it. I mean. But, oh, yeah. But, but go back to, go back to 64 and the, and the Beatles. Is it, is, is that any more gross than a, than a snippet? Of uh, John Lennon's hair or Paul McCartney's yes. hair? Yes. Way, okay. What way about grosser. a what about a Beatles cigarette butt out of the ashtray? Way from grosser. The hotel? Really? Way grosser. Okay. I yeah. Think you're I right. would. Uh, you know, now if you said it's a Beatles, it's a, it's a napkin that Ringo Starr blew his nose into, there you're uh, up in okay. the gross department. All right. But All right. Yeah. I, there's definitely a line to cross. Yeah. But you know what? If you're a Swifty out there and you need something for your birthday, ask your mom or dad. You know, it's only 10,000 bucks <laughs> for a pair of contacts that have seen Taylor Swift. Jamie, there was, uh, uh, yesterday morning was the annual mayor's breakfast. Mayor Andrea Horvath was there at Leuna Station and a few hundred people. And That's they, appropriate. And they give their... You know, it, this is what mayors always do. They give their, it's almost kind of a state of the city, but not really. In this case, much of her time, I believe, I wasn't there, but much of the time I believe was spent talking about their priorities that they just had a special council meeting for. Anyway, one of the things, I want to read you a quote from Mayor Andrea Horvath. We're going to whittle this down to one quote. All right. I firmly believe, now this is the very political quote, by the way, I'm just jumping back in before That's I continue. That's what you newspaper people do, but go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I, this is a very political quote, but it's because you hear it a lot, but here we go. I firmly believe that Hamilton's best days are ahead of us. Hmm. Do you believe that? I don't mean with her, I mean, just in general with the city of Hamilton. Do you believe that Hamilton's best days are ahead of it? Yes, but I would add the, the the following words to the quote, if I could. Yeah. In spite of itself. <laughs> there are times. There are oh, times. Really? Yeah. But but you could have you you that quote could be attributed to mayors of bygone eras. You know, it could be a Bob Morrow and presidents and McDonald prime ministers thing. and premiers and everyone. Right. They've all used it. But right. yes. Uh, but particularly. I think in ha- in Hamilton, but you'd have to add the words in spite of itself, because this city does anything that it does well, it does outside of the political leadership in this city, historically. It really does. It takes people with minds that are outside of politics who are really uh, creative and entrepreneurial uh, and business minds to make things Why do you happen? think that is? I, one, of the, one of the theories that I've had for a long time now about why our council, and you can talk about the individual councillors, but why our council tends to get so locked up in itself sometimes is because we have a city that is so different. We have the lower city, the old city, the urban, and we have the outskirts, the rural, the, the, the suburbs, and they are two different worlds and you're asking councillors representing two different worlds to somehow agree on priorities, which is very difficult, almost that, impossible at times. That's that's true. That's a 
difficult challenge. There's no doubt about that, that ge- geographical uh, piece that you just put forward. But I also think it has, frankly, just a lot to do with diminishing talent. There, there's, there's not a lot of talent around the council table. Um, and voter turnout is declining constantly. So you end up with a city council that's pretty feckless overall, um, that's pretty low on uh, forward vision. And so you that's what you get. You end up with this thing that has to be there, um, but you end up with the people who get things done just, just doing it around them. And that's what I meant by in spite of. Let me let me council. throw another. So you put in spite of itself mm-hmm. behind at the, at the, as the suffix to this sentence. Let me throw another one there. I firmly believe Hamilton's best days are ahead of us. It's not really fitting in with the sentence, but um, it, is it really like were Hamilton's best days back in the 40s and 50s and 60s? And we're now trying to get back to that after struggling with all the businesses and the industries and everything that left. I, I mean, I, I guess the question here is, do you believe Hamilton is on an upswing? Because I, I, mean, I don't know that you can ever say, I don't know when you can point to as Hamilton's best days. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, don't I wasn't think so. here. I, I, first of all, everybody rom- romanticizes Always. the decades that, that went before. So no, I don't accept that. Those were different times, different times. But our city has evolved in spite of itself, into uh, a city that's primarily focused on or employed by healthcare yep. and education. That's what the city is. And I think now the people living in the city piece is starting to catch up. And it's not because Hamilton leadership has done anything to create a vision or create a place for people to come and live. It's been independent business people that have done that combined with the push of population primarily from the GTA westward across our geography. It's a natural organic process that is that is taking place. And that wave, while it's coming through Hamilton, will then extend down to Niagara Falls, I'm sure, too. I mean, it just evolved. It, we have, it's, and it's a very different city than it was once upon yeah, a time. And that's and, okay. And, yeah, and, oh, absolutely, it's okay. And when I heard this quote, and again, it's it's you know, it's a boilerplate quote. It's, it's a, a well, weak it, quote. It, it, look, it, I've picked one quote out of her entire speech. I don't want to say this is all well, she said. Okay, but, you're being fair. But um, but nonetheless, and lots of people have said this. When I heard this, my initial reaction was even before, like long before I was here, long before you were here, when industry ruled and everybody had a job and housing was affordable. Yeah, chicken in every pot. Maybe that, I mean, can we recapture those days? Your point is fair, though, is for sure that we have evolved into a different city. And so can we, I don't know that we're ever going to make, life is never going to be as simple, perhaps as that. We're never going to have simple answers, simple solutions again, I don't think. But can we be better than those days? I I don't know. I think we can. I think we can. Uh, absolutely, I think we can. I, I think what we're going to do um, with healthcare, research, education is we're going to attract, uh, if we're not already, I'm sure we are, uh, a lot of very, very bright minds to this area. And I think that I can't wait for the whole industrial history of this city to become the lesser known thing about this city. I think we've held on to that, you know, hard hats and Angela Mosca and no offense to Ange and his family, but you know, you know, those days are long. We have to change our nickname from steel town to stethoscope town. Yeah. I, I don't know what else. I, what, pick Stent another town. Stent, yeah, I don't. I don't know what other you medical know? device you can come up right, with, but, uh, right. but Nurseville. But, but that's but that's where it's at. And when when you get into that kind of uh, you, you know demographic or psychographic, then you're becoming, I think, a more cosmopolitan city as well, because those minds that we we're talking about come from. All over the world, they come from other parts of Canada. They come from the United States. They come from uh, nations that are across bodies of water, and that's a really good thing uh, for all of us. 
Well, it should be. I mean, absolutely it should be. I love, I think that Ham, I, they used to say, for example, since we keep talking about healthcare, Hamilton, I worked very briefly in another life as a paramedic for a short time. And they used to say, I forgot that. And they used, they used yeah. to say, uh, if you're going to have a heart attack, try to have it in Hamilton uh, because it was well recognized in, in medical circles that this was the best place uh, for cardiac care. And, Mar- and it Margaret, still is. Yeah, Margaret Jurovinsky, who just passed away yeah, on the ninth, I believe it was, but we just learned about it yesterday or the day before. Uh, you know, we, we have, if you, same thing. I mean, nobody wants anybody to get cancer for sure. But if you're going to, this is a, as good a place as any to get it because of the Jurovinsky clinic and other cancer care around here. So for sure. I have no, I, you know, I'm a lifelong Hamiltonian, spent a few years as a kid, uh, with my parents in Ottawa. Um, but I have no desire to leave my home in Hamilton uh, other than if I'm fortunate enough to have a place to go in the winter wh- where it's warm. But this is always going to be my base. And every year that goes by in this evolution that we talked about, this city becomes more and more attractive uh, to me as a guy that's, you know, starting age. So You don't look like it. You still got way more hair than anyone else that's in the studio, right? Oh, that's ben, true. Ben's pretty In all the wrong places, I might add. Ooh. <laughs> I thought I thought mentioning I thought mentioning the used contacts was too much. <laughs> uh, now I'm getting worried where this show's going. Jamie West with me this evening. Uh, if you're preparing for the Leaf game, it's okay. Put the Leaf game on. Keep it with the volume down. Watch us or listen to us. Watch them. Do both. Multitask. Well, that's what we do now. That's multiple do screens, now. multiple audio sources. I do. I do. I, I do I, too. I was watching a show. Well, my wife, it drives my wife nuts because we were watching a show on TV and I was playing backgammon on my phone while I'm doing it. <laughs> and I've sort of got my eye on the show and I, I just, you know, I'm just, I'm doing stuff. I love this modern age. It's wonderful. Yeah, we were, um. Main thing is you two didn't have to talk to one another. Well, that's. That was a beautiful part, No, right? no, no, that's, oh, I'm still, I carry on the conversation. Oh, although. here we go. This is where he starts gilding the lily. Keep yeah, going. Yeah, no, no, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you say yes enough, sometimes it, you can actually get it right. <laughs> uh, so it. we were talking about city issues. Um, Toronto this week approved building multiplexes in any neighborhood. So if you own a house, you can now divide that house up into a number of different units. And this is to ostensibly to help with the house housing crisis. We can now create more units so that more people can live in the city. It's been talked about here in, in Hamilton. This is one of the options. We we're not spreading outward. And sometimes we fight about spreading upward because we don't want tall buildings. One of the things is higher density. Is this fair? And, and I mean, it's, it could be fair to the people who want to buy uh, or to, to rent a place in a neighborhood. But if you, Jamie West, have spent your biggest purchase of your life on your house and your next door neighbor decides to turn their home into a fourplex, is it fair to people? Well, that's an interesting question. And I guess if I'm the guy who's beside the <clears throat> fourplex, I'm not happy. And it's not fair to me at that point. But it's like a lot of these things. It has to start somewhere. It has to start somewhere. Excuse me, because they're not making more land. Nope. And And we do seem in this city often, we do seem to fight. If someone wants to build build a tall building, we fight about it and everyone complains about it. So the only other way to go, if we're not going underground, is to higher density. Well, I think it's just something that you have to... I hate to say this and maybe oversimplify it, but in many ways we have to hold our nose and, and accept it. If that's the, if that is the direction we have to go in to get people, to get people housed. I've seen some of that myself. I have a a very good friend who lives in Toronto, a few blocks North of Danforth Avenue. And those, a lot of those houses were built in the late 1800s. A lot of them are, uh, you know, a duplexes, Mm -hmm. right? But they're all at the same height, same level. But if you walk along that old street, you're starting to see the height come in on places that have been raised and then, you know, built up into something larger. Now, some of them are single family dwellings, but 
uh, you can see the opportunity there. And yeah, it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb, and, and but you've got to start somewhere. It's a fair Eventually, question. they'll all be like that. It's a fair point you just make, and I hadn't thought of it, but the idea that, you know, there are older neighborhoods that are all wartime homes that people have now bought up the property and built monster homes that go edge to edge of the lot. Is that different from this? I, I, I mean, I guess the question is if you buy a home, really. if you buy a home in a neighborhood, should you have any kind of assurance that the neighborhood that you're buying into is going to look like the neighborhood 10 years later? No, I don't think you should. And I, I think, I think that is kind of a common sense thing. I, I mean, it, again, it, give, using the example that I just gave, you know, of all of those houses or buildings that were built in the late 1800s, surely nobody can reasonably expect as time moves on that they're going to stay stay that way. That's just not a reasonable thought. And it's up to you as an individual to decide whether or not you can live with that or will live with that. We all have we all have the ability to change our minds and change our locations. So I think I get the piece about it being not aesthetically pleasing when the trend begins. I don't even think it's aesthetically pleasing. I, I think the concern that people are going to have truly is if I live on a street that I bought because it was nice and quiet and now 10, homes, too many people. 10 homes on the street subdivide into three or four units and now there's way more cars, way more traffic, way more people, way more noise. I bought somewhere because I thought I was buying a, a and I'm getting B, which is what I didn't want. But I, well, but again, you raised the point and I hadn't thought about it is, is, is it different than people knocking down a smaller home and putting up a gigantic home next door I, to you? I don't see that it is. And there's another thing to look at here too. If it, it again, theoretically, if I'm, I'm the guy and living next door to the drive, you know, eventually like that, that is going to drive my real estate values up presumably and somebody's going to come along and want to buy my property at an inflated rate and build one. It, that would be true with the building bigger homes, knocking them down and building bigger homes. I, I don't know if having a street now where there is way more noise and way more action, that, that could drive up the property value or it could drive down. If I, if the next, okay, on our street, a number of years ago, there was a house down at the end that um, we don't know exactly what was going on there. The person who lived across the street who I knew used to refer to her neighbors as the Russian mob, that, <laughs> that they believed there was criminal... Anybody that's quiet. No, no, no. It was the opposite. It was like not uh, that. Oh, it was noisy. And you All look right. at that and you go, okay, well, I don't know that that's helping my property value, that you look across the street and you believe that there may be weird goings on happening there. I, I don't know what it might do to property values up or down. I mean... I, I, Over time, though, real estate in Westdale, ex- goes forward. It yeah, but in Westdale, back. where the student housing has taken hold, right? Have the pro- I mean, the property values have gone up. Yeah, but have they gone up on the streets that have all the student housing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I I know that for a fact. No, I don't know that for <laughs> a fact. I I I have to make that assumption because real estate in general. It always goes o- up over time. over time. It might dip and go up a bit, and you know, but it over time it does. But and would I, you ever buy a home on a home on a street that was filled with student housing? Uh, I wouldn't live there. I would buy. I would buy a home and rent it. Okay, but that's the point. <laughs> so you say you would live there, and I think a lot of people would give that same answer. What if, like, if you buy a house next to an airport? In my mind, you have no right to complain about the sound of the planes landing or taking off. You chose to buy there. What if you buy a house, though, and they build an airport next to you? Do you have a right to complain? No, you have a right to sell and move. <laughs> That's what you have a right to do. Yeah? Really. Honestly. Like, what? you know, I, I, I laugh when I see there's a house in my neighborhood uh, in Ancaster where clearly the the person that owns the house just would not budge uh, to the developers who built all kinds of all right. townhouse condos yes. around. And now this one house is stuck sort of in the well, middle of it all. Well, there used to be the all. one at Dundurn Plaza. Yes, exactly. In the parking lot. And was, I'm thinking, uh, what a knob. You missed out on that chance to cash in. You you, you can easily go and buy another place. Yeah. Get your money. 
I mean, look, it's it's People not nuts. it's not that different, I suppose, in some ways. This is all a neighbor thing. It's not that different if you are the person who your next door neighbor decides that they are now going to be the pollinator of the neighborhood and <laughs> and have like weeds and wildflowers and their grass growing everywhere. And here's the thing. There are people who are legitimately trying to be pollinators. Yeah. And there's people who just don't cut their grass. Well, right. And then they say, well, we're just going natural. Right. Uh, or, or you've got a hoarder next door who, you know, and, and bring in vermin because yeah, of the hoarding. Yeah. I, I, I lived in an apartment building in this city years ago before I bought a house years mm. ago. And my apartment had roaches. Mine that were, too. That were coming in <laughs> through the pipes under the door because the neighbors never threw out their garbage, right. which I discovered. Right. I, Fun. It, yeah. But it's, that's, that's not roaches. But I can see this in Toronto and I can see this here. If this happens here, I can see it becoming a real bone of contention. If all of a sudden you've been living on this nice quiet street for years and years and years and suddenly three or four neighbors subdivide their house into three or four units and it's now no longer the same street. Do you have a right to complain? I don't know. Send me a text. 905-645-3221. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one. Jamie's voting no. I'm voting <laughs> I'm not really sure. I'll, you know. Oh, what a fence rider. Come on. Well, you know why? You're because, the host of the program. Because I would say no until it happens next door to me, and then suddenly <laughs> it really matters. Yeah, of course. All right. NIMBY man. Yeah, absolutely. Let's call you NIMBY. It is. It's NIMBY world. <laughs> Mr. NIMBY is the host. And we all, we all say, oh, that's all NIMBY, until the NIMBY is your NIMBY, <laughs> and then it's not NIMBY anymore, it's just Good common sense. Of course it is. Anyway, you probably heard this story. We talked about this earlier in the week, but I wanted to hear from Jamie West on this one. A school in Toronto, the kids in grade six came up with the wording for a sign outside for Mother's Day. They came up with it in class. Life does not come with a manual. It comes with a mum. Great sign. Great message. Uh, a local neighborhood resident whose children don't go to the school found this sign horribly offensive because it was not inclusive and uh, couldn't believe that they would put up a sign that, you know, some people don't have a mother. Some people's mothers may have died. Some people might have two fathers, some people, whatever. And the school, of course, acquiesced and immediately took the sign down and changed it to something else. Wow. Do we, I mean, honestly, I I knew, I know where you're probably going to be on this one, but like if we, how careful should we be about things when somebody might not be included? Because that's really what this comes down to is it's not that we don't like mothers. I don't think it's that, well, someone might be upset by this. It, it, it comes, sorry, it comes down to what you and I've talked about this a lot on this, on this show. And, and I used to talk a lot about it on my show, the, de- the death of common sense and intent, the word intent. Big one. We, uh. We, we have somehow forgotten to consider intent. Um, and that's a, that's a really big problem because it's leading to a really stupid society. When, when that, when a school would, uh, retract the message or take it down or whatever, because of that, we've, we're now in the land of, of absurdity. I mean, was, I have to ask you a question. Was there any explanation given by the complainant Oh yes, they, as they, to uh, what I'm, specifically that was about? Not just that I'm offended because people might have not have mothers or maybe their mothers abandoned them or maybe their mother was mean to them or, or whatever. Um, what was their rationale? Well, they, they had any? that it was not inclusive. And then the school's response uh, was this, upon feedback, stop this. upon feedback, the school recognized this quote does not reflect the inclusivity of our community and took immediate steps to address we, the issue. We can't include everybody all the time. And this is what we said earlier this stop week it. on the show. Should we not have remembrance day? Cause everybody isn't a veteran. It, it's precisely, you Should, know, you know, like it just, you, we have to stop. It's out of hand. We're so afraid of being canceled. We're so afraid of somebody launching a a criticism against us. We're so afraid of not being liked. Don't be afraid to, to, to not be liked. 
Lots of people aren't going to like you in life. The irony of this <laughs> is that, from what I understand from the story, the person who complained was a mother. So this is this is where a lot of this so stuff what? happens. No, no. This is because this is what happens. <laughs> She's a mother. So the Mother's Day thing, it's not offending her that someone doesn't have a, she's anticipating oh the, now we're doing anticipatory it's anticipatory outrage, outrage because i'm anticipating ah. that so it's the same reason why yes. some people don't want christmas messages because i meant i've i have cue um, up the outrage i have a muslim neighbor on one side and a yeah. hindu neighbor on the other side of my house they both wish me merry christmas they've never th- and i we wish them you know to, to their holidays to and and we They've never been offended. I had, I talked this, uh, this before this Christmas, the, uh, the synagogue in Westdale mm-hmm. had a Christmas concert for a, yeah. an, a, a choir. Isn't and that they great? Said, they said, you know, like when someone wishes you Merry Christmas yeah. and, and the, the, the rabbi said to me, he goes, if someone comes up and, you know, oops, says Merry Christmas to me, no one's saying it maliciously. They're wishing you the a happy. The intent is good. Gr- the intent is the It's word. a well wish. And so even though, yeah, I'm not Christian, I don't celebrate Christmas, I get that their meaning was good. And so why would I be upset about that? We are anticipating offense so often here. And then the people who are supposedly going to be offended often aren't, but we've already taken the step. But society these days, Scott, gets off on outrage and anger. Why? Because it's loud and it's and it's boisterous, and it's colorful, and therefore, and therefore, it gets people lots of attention, which is what those people are seeking, any attention. And the easiest way to get attention is through outrage, especially across social media or regular media. So why, my question with this story is why would the, I'm sure that some of the parents then of the school would be outraged that this sign was somehow deemed to be inappropriate. I would be upset if my kids or whoever had come up with this and what's wrong with this? Why is their outrage not sufficient to override the first outrage? Whose outrage gets to be outraged, if that makes any sense? A lot of people just throw their hands up and and, and Give up. say, oh, another Karen. Uh, I, I, you know what? I, I haven't got time for this nonsense. Put the sign up, take it down. I don't care. We should care. We should start shouting the Karens down and the Carls. I don't know if there's a male version of a Karen, uh, uh, but you're right though. I think I think a lot of people have reached a point of just being exhausted by all this stuff, and they go, "It's just not." But worth it's it. a, it's all as I said in my view. It's all about attention seeking. It's these people just want attention. Even the 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 woman who complained about the sign, she'll be. I guarantee you, she was sitting in her home. Just soaking up the narcissistic supply she got from the media attention. I don't know whether she appeared in interviews or whatever, but she would have loved that. Love that. That's why she did it. Here's what they replace. Ready for this? Here's what they replace it. So we had a lovely Mother's Day message to mothers, and they replaced it with M, make this month count. A, accomplish your goals. Why you can do this for the month of May. In other words, we have taken a beautiful sentiment and splashed pablum on the sign instead so that nobody, this is exactly what's happening with our school boards where they say we're not going to name schools anymore after people. I know, that's crazy. Because, you know. Because somewhere down the road, something might turn up about them. Yeah. And and somebody might be offended. Well, you know what? We got to go. Okay. This This is one I could go on for. Well, I'm sure other people could too. I'm sure we could go on for a while. I know long I could go on and it's, on. No, it's just and it's, on and on and on. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Jamie is uh, not just a former CHML host of many, many shows, and a former CHCH reporter, and a former producer of content, and a former guy that you heard commercials for with West Pro Media. Maybe still do. I don't know. Uh, and uh, he is now, and, and a former paramedic, as he reminded us last hour. <laughs> former shoe salesman, former, former shoe stereo salesman, salesman uh, former uh, male former figure model. Hey, I carried the Hamilton Spectator too. I was a carrier when I, yeah, we're going way back on my resume. I had a friend in, in grade nine 
who I said male figure model, this kid in grade nine had the good idea that he was going to model underwear in the Sears catalog, tidy whities <laughs> And at that time, those catalogs came to everybody's door and someone in school was flipping through and saw Glenn. How embarrassing. With his tidy whities and absolutely, he was grade nine. His body had literally no form. He it's was a, a stick. stick. Yeah. And there were hundreds of copies of that part picture stuck up around school. Uh, anyway, I don't know if Jamie has ever modeled tidy whities, but anyway. No. And he is the founder and CEO now of Divorcecom, a divorce coaching, consulting, and family mediation business that is based here in Hamilton. So he, he is a renaissance man of renaissance men who probably remembers what he was doing four years ago tonight. Do you remember what you were doing four years ago tonight? I'm willing to bet I know what it was in all likelihood. And if you weren't, almost everybody listening would have been. Ooh, uh, I'll give you a hint. Boing, 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 swish. <laughs> the Kawhi Leonard shot from the corner that bounced on the rim four times and fell through oh. that sent the Raptors to the final. Oh, that's four a basketball reference. Yeah, so that's you, maybe why you weren't I couldn't watching. remember. Kawhi Leonard, no, I was four not. years ago tonight, the most famous shot in Toronto. Is that what happened? History. Boing, 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 boing. From swish. the corner, hit the rim, bounce, wow. bounce, 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 and in. Yep, it was... Crowd uh, must have gone insane. There are... If you go to Pearson Airport, I think it's still up. Last time I was there uh, at Pearson Airport, there is on the wall a photo, a wide-angle shot of pretty much the whole arena. And it's probably 15 feet long and 10 feet high. It's an amazing picture. And uh, yes, it was one of the great moments in Toronto sports. We'll see if tonight... The Leafs are uh, playing tonight. We will keep you updated on the Leafs as they, uh, if anything happens in that game, we'll keep you updated. You will, you won't miss anything. We'll, we'll let you know on, uh, on what's going on. So, but anyway, yeah, that was a four. I can't believe it, it seems like a lot longer. Than well, that four was, years yeah, ago. I remember the crazy reaction of, of, of fans and what a, a huge deal that was, but I didn't actually see the shot. I just can't believe that it's only four years. That feels like it's 10 years ago. The time Raptors. flies, it's as time. they say. Time does fly. Speaking of time flying, you know, um, we had a royal wedding on the weekend. Time has flown on we the did? monarchy. Well, last weekend. Yeah, uh, last weekend. Yeah, you, the, or the, the, coronation. the coronation. Sorry, yeah, not the royal wedding. Coronation. It's going to say, who got married this time? Yeah, no, no. I might misspeak. It's uh, okay. It's been 70 years. We've had more royal weddings since coronations. But, uh, you know, the, the time flies. There are a lot of people who say that you know, the monarchy is not really needed anymore, that, uh, the, that we don't want to have the monarchy around, that it's kind of boring, that it blows a lot of money, all that kind of stuff. You hear that all the time. Numerous' numbers came out from the coronation, not the royal wedding, on the weekend. 7.6 million Canadians watched part of the coronation. That does not sound like a people... F- eager and frantically to trying dump to it. dump the court, the, the royal yeah, family. Yeah, and my understanding I, it, it was that a, a huge number of those people were live viewers. So people got up at four in the morning. To Se- seven, apparently 71% of that 7.6 million were watching part of it live. So people were getting up, like they're making an effort. They're making an effort. Well, yeah. And meanwhile, <clears throat> fewer than one in five Canadians, according to a poll, want the monarchy to continue. How do you jibe those two numbers? That we are fascinated by the monarchy and we want to watch the coronation. And even if you say, I only wanted to watch it because it was so over the top and stupid, even if you're going to be that way, you're still getting up and watching the coronation. No, I think there's an answer to that. And I, I think it's that, uh, I think you can be, you can have uh, anti-monarchist sentiment uh, where our country is concerned, but still be fascinated by the pomp and ceremony uh, and the meticulous uh, <laughs> organization, organization military, of, yeah. of, of the, the military precision yep. of, of the thing and just be totally visually fascinated with it. I think that's, I think that but is a big part rid, of the whole thing. But if you get rid of the monarchy... Yeah, you, you won't don't have those have shows. That. You don't have those shows. I, I, I get it. it. Just it was odd. I'll have to live with that. I really thought. I, I truly. And actually, there were even more Canadians. I can't. I'm looking for the numbers right now because I have it in front of me somewhere. Um, there were even more Canadians 
that watched the last royal wedding with Harry and Meghan back when everything was hunky dory yeah, and, and stickety boo. Yeah, everything was um, all going to work out. Yeah. yeah, but so you know, enormous numbers. But I, I really expected when I saw this poll a few weeks ago that yeah, nobody wants the monarchy. I thought the numbers would be crappy. I think it's just I, as I said, I th- I think it's down to the show itself, the show itself, the 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 military precision, the the colorful nature of it. Um, the historical significance of it, the rolling out of the fancy jewels and the carriages and all of that kind of thing, uh, the spectacle of it all is the attractant. And uh, the rest of it, nobody really cares about. 12 million Canadians, by the way, tuned in for the wedding of Meghan and Prince Harry. Now here's, but again, let me throw the conundrum here of the numbers. Yeah. So 7.6 million viewers, that works out to about one in four, about 25% of Canadians, give or take. Uh, That's much, well, not much, that's higher. Only 20% said they were going to tune in in the weeks beforehand. Well, nobody wants to admit they're going to do that. That seems really flaky to most people. You're going to do what? You're getting up at four in the morning to watch Charlie? Come on. Yeah. Don't bother calling and don't send me any emails. And I, and what this doesn't say in this, in this Numeris report, Numeris is the, for those who don't know, I'm sure everyone does. It's a ratings company, a Canadian ratings company. I, what it doesn't explain or doesn't lay out, because I don't think they can monitor this, is how many other people watched highlights, watch it online. If we're talking about 7.6 million were watching at the time, you got to know there was 10 or 11 million who were watching parts of it in all likelihood, some way, somehow. It's a big international event. It's a big international event on a weekend. Uh, again, back to what I said earlier about my description of the the pomp and ceremony and precision of it all and the planning and the execution of it all. It's just, a, it. you can't, I don't think... You can argue that it's it's great television um, from that standpoint, um, but I don't know as that translates into I, I'm I'm a monarchist because I watched it uh, on TV. It just might be that I'm interested in a big international event. That's all um, to, to see what what goes on there. Uh, according to, uh, I'm looking up, uh, cause they, I just, I got wondering how many people actually watched the Queen's funeral. Cause I would have thought the Queen's funeral would have drawn more than the coronation. No. Because the Queen is, the Queen was a, even if you didn't like the monarchy, she was respected for the most part and she was quite beloved by many people. And she, you know, even as, especially as her life got closer and closer to the end, people, even if you didn't like what she did with Diana or didn't like the monarchy, you grudgingly even admitted that she had spent her life in service. And apparently that was three and a half million Canadians. So this was double Mm. the number. I thought it would, that would have been higher. I would have too. Um, for those reasons that the, that Queen Elizabeth was (laughs) way more revered than, than Charles. I mean, think about one of the, think about all the, the, you know, the controversy with Diana and all of that stuff that, that still lingers. And and I, I was kind of surprised at how much, um, fawning there was over Charles and Camilla and sentimentality there was, uh, among the commentators, uh, primarily the British ones that were on Canadian television uh, about Charles and Camilla uh, when one considers that they were pariahs for the longest yeah. period of time. Yeah, they were hated. Uh, right? Well, she especially. Yeah. She especially. Yeah. So it's it's kind of funny how our how our memories are short and, uh, you know, how we, you know, time marches on and our perceptions change on, on certain things. Let me throw you another set of TV numbers, which um, also ties into, uh, uh, this is a really interesting one because Donald Trump had a town hall on CNN oh, I saw this the week. whole thing. And a lot of people on social media and afterwards screaming that this was outrageous and you've given him free advertising and blah, 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 and on and on and on. And, and you know, everyone can have their opinion on whether it was good, bad, horrible, mediocre, whatever. Uh, after Donald Trump left the White House in January of 2021, because he lost in 2020, in 2021, um, CNN's 25 to 54-year-old demographic dropped by 
Yeah. 69, so almost 70% of their audience in their gone. key spending demographic, gone. CNN's Trump um, town hall headline, CNN ratings soar, doubling Fox and NBC during ex-president's town hall. You cannot somehow be anything but recognizing what what's going on here. The CNN yeah. and the other media people on TV may say they hate Donald Trump, but he is so good for business. Put, put a three-ring circus on <clears throat> and all that color, and you're going to get people to watch it. I think their ratings were, if I'm close, close to three and a half million for the Trump uh, thing, uh, compared to 700,000 the night before in that same time slot. So... You know, they went... Uh, is it disingenuous then? Is it disingenuous for the people on cable news shows to be, on the one hand, hammering away on Donald Trump and saying all kinds of horrible things about him, which they may believe, that's fine, but knowing that by doing this, all they are doing is pumping up their ratings because as soon as he goes away and they stop talking about him, ratings plummet. And if you don't think for a second that there were meetings between the head of news, Chris Light. Uh, and the head honchos up, uh, up higher than him about the numbers. The tail's been wagging the dog in media for a long, long time. It was all about advertiser revenue. It was all about getting the ratings, and that's all it's about every single day of the week. And I'll tell you something, CNN has a big problem on their hands because they have a lot of really lackluster talent. They cannot hold audience uh, anymore, and that was a one-off, and it was a it was a great event. But I'd, how how does CNN? Well, well, use CNN, but you could use MSNBC. You can use whatever network you want yeah. that that leans towards the left. How, if you are them, do you balance the fact that you don't want like they're getting hammered for holding this town hall because people are saying it was a free infomercial? Well, and Trump's for a him. disgusting individual. There's I, I look at I make no bones about that. The guy is absolutely disgusting from stem to stern across the board. I don't care. What department you want to talk about? The guy is seriously mentally ill, and he's and he's a and yet they desperately want and need him to be elected. Well, the Republicans want them, and the uneducated Americans and do. all the cable channels do. Clearly, <laughs> the cable that's, channels that's I, do. That's what I'm talking that's, about. And I won't even. I so can't, they have to. I argue. can't disagree with they, you. They have to somehow tell their audience we really don't want this guy in the I, White House because he's a danger. But quietly behind their back, they got their fingers right. crossing. And they knew exactly what win. they were going to get. Though the 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 head honchos at CNN knew exactly what they were going to get with that town hall. They knew that they were going to let this wild man out of his cage, and and it was even, it, even the tepid attempts by Caitlin Collins, the moderator, who's a really good uh, reporter. In fact, she's a much better uh, reporter. She was a White House reporter before they shoved her into these anchor roles. She's, she's actually terrible as an anchor. Um, but her tepid attempts to control him were really transparent. Like, you know, she had cue cards, they knew what the talking points were. They knew that he would talk endlessly about a rigged election and she'd have to keep saying the election wasn't rigged, the election wasn't rigged. Um, but she really let him go nuts. And I think that that was also part of the plan too. It was carefully uh, managed. Well, if you had... you got to let this crazy re- man go crazy regardless, or people won't watch. Regardless of where your politics fall, you right. know darn well that if they had a town hall and you know maybe they will down the road because they'll say equal, uh, if they have a town hall with Joe Biden... <laughs> nobody is watching like that, 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 that would have to be, you know, sponsored by Xanax (laughs) because it would literally put you to sleep within the first three minutes. Because I mean, look, Donald Trump, Donald Trump may be, as you describe, uh, Joe Biden, I think most of the time doesn't even know what day of the week it is or what city he's living in. I don't even go that far. You've, you've got to, this is always the amazing thing to me about America. Righties are always attacking. No, no, no. This is the thing to me about America for being too old. Well, he is. He's, a bo- he's boring to listen to. I'll grant you that. He, he is confused more often than not. And, and you listen to a lot of his speeches and you go, this, is this person well? But the point is, <laughs> American politics, how is it that it looks like we're heading for another showdown between, as you described Donald Trump, and Joe Biden, who 
should probably be in the shady pines it's, at this point. It's disturbing to think that on the right and the left, this is there the is best. A, right, exactly. This is the best I mean you left, can come I mean, up with. Yeah, Whatever. Correct. This is the best you can come up with out of 350 million people. Speaks volumes. It's scary. It's sc- it truly is. It yeah. truly is frightening. It is. But again, any, anyone... Anyone, so I, we got to take a break here, but I know that Anderson Cooper was on CNN and he was commenting on, you know, why we did this and on and on and on. They're lost at CNN. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. The point is not whether they're lost or not. The point is all Donald Trump, whether you love him as a politician or find him deplorable, yeah. he is absolute gold for them. He's great TV. He is absolute gold. And they, so if you want to know why these things happen... That's why. Jamie West yeah? beside me here. Uh, there, was a, there was a poll. I, so I did not know of this poll. This is a couple of years old now, so it's not a new poll. But I I actually this afternoon, I had the day off from my other job, and I was watching an old-ish like three, four weeks ago. I was catching up, clearing out my PVR, and I watched an old 60 Minutes episode, again, from only three or four weeks ago. And they mentioned this poll, and I went and looked it up. I want to ask you about this. They asked children in China... And children in the United States, and I'm going to account Canadian kids as basically the same as United States. I don't see why there would be a difference. Except they're more educated, but carry well, on. But even then, I don't know that the answer to this poll is going to be a whole heck of a lot different. They asked kids their aspiration. If you could be anything with your career, if you could get do anything for your job, what would you want to be when you grow up? The answer from the kids in China, astronaut was number one. Hmm. Teacher, number two, musician, number three, professional athlete, number four, and YouTuber, number five. All right. So, Hmm. but astronaut, number one, uh, and they must have in this poll, they must have given those five choices as the only choices, put them in order because they're the same. Uh, American kids, YouTuber, number one. (laughs) Teacher number two, professional athlete number three, musician, astronaut number four. I am not really surprised, but I am kind of amazed that we now have the idea that the number one thing that kids would want to do is be an influencer. I, I It's kind of depressing. Kind of depressing. <laughs> it is totally depressing. That is... That means Horrible that their news. heroes are, are these not, fake people. Yeah, they're not Neil Armstrong on, or whoever else. They are now. Yeah, these people that are just fake famous people. Um, who doesn't that speak volumes though about the about what fame means now and the value of fame, which says something about social media and why likes are so important. Street commodity. It, it's just you. Ha- I need people to like my post or for nothing. Else, yeah. Yeah, it just it, it is amazing to me that the number one thing that kids would aspire to, and again, it's the states, but I, I don't. But I think it's funny that, that there's there's an irony in the whole China thing, because China is the home of the most popular uh, social media platform going, which is TikTok. Yes, it's bigger than everything. You want to know something though? So again, watching this is fascinating, and I, I never knew this until <laughs> watching this sixty minutes from a few days ago. TikTok in China is different from TikTok here. Oh, no no surprise there. No, but what you get access to, if you are if you go on to TikTok, you get government information. Science experiments you can do at home and things that boost the morale of and your country. And here it's, you know, chickens dancing with pussycats and right. you know, and idiot nonsense. Stuff, and idiot nonsense that you're going to waste all your time on. But that's on. that's what China's trying to do. They're trying to dumb down North America. This is a it's it's a definite attempt to do that and they're they're doing it <laughs> it's working i would be now thankfully you know my kids are now you know through university they've they've arrived in a career they're doing something and it's it's not um, it's very stealth it, it, it's warfare it, it's yeah if my kids had said to me back when they were in high school and i said what do you want to do what do you want to go to college or university or whatever for and they said lawyer. and they said I, you know i'm not going to go to university i'm not going to go to college i'm going to become a youtuber Look, I, I know there are people who... Or a became, video game producer. I know there are people who became very successful 
and they freaked their parents out back in the day when they said, I want to become an entertainer. And the, they were like, well, yeah. you don't want to become a lawyer? And that's not it. But I I don't know. Ben just Ben just texted me. Ben's on the other side of the glass here. Ben says he has a, a counterpoint to this one. All right, Ben, hit me with your counterpoint. So the thing that I'm hearing is many a time you he- equate YouTuber with an influencer. One of the things that we always do, I want to learn something. How do I fix this? My dryer blew up. I need to replace a bearing. Where do you go to? Do you go to YouTube to find out that thing? Well, okay, so that, that's got a good point. That, that they're, okay, if that's the kind of, if you, but almost all those people, if I like, it's true when I have gone to fix an appliance or something, which heaven knows, uh, has never gone well for me, even with the YouTube They're help. trying to market their business. But it's usually someone who's got a, a yeah, you know, logo. hi, my name is Bob and I work for uh, Jamie West Appliances and you know, it's not a an 18-year-old kid who's fixing the fridge. The 18-year-old kid is in the background lighting a frog on fire. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it's, he's got, he's got a point, but it, it is different. It's definitely different. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, that's frightening to me and depressing that a kid would, that kids would want to be, put that at the top of the list. I mean, even above being a top athlete, because of course kids don't move anymore. They don't, they're not into phys ed. Either. Yeah, well, you know? professional athlete, I guarantee you that the reason that professional athlete Ask comes that in, in the number 70s. two is, have you, oh, yeah, well, is the money. Have you seen those photos? You can go, Well, you don't go online much. You were saying you don't go on, on social media much. You, Not a you've, lot. You've purged yourself, which I applaud you for. <laughs> but someone posted photos some time ago that I saw, and it was beach photos from the 70s and from 2022, 2023. Size of people? Yeah. Well, my- Just- the, what, what, how we are now physically compared to what people were like 50 well, years ago. I remember you had a guy named Richard Fast on your show yes. a long time ago. You, he's, he's this evangelist against ultra processed food. And he's somebody that's always beating the drum about that very thing. He says, if you go back and look at pictures from 1975 compared to now, you, nobody in the crowd or very, very few people would be considered overweight or obese. And now almost everybody is. And yet what we're doing now is just simply changing the definition. Yeah. Moving the yardsticks. Because, you know what, if we're not going to be able to get ourselves better, let's just tell people that, well, that's the new norm. Yeah. And we've got Ozempic and all of that stuff now, right? Just stick a needle in my leg and I'll be fine. I'll do that every day for the rest of my life and I'll get the weight off and I'll keep eating the Cheetos and everything will be fine. I don't know if they're a sponsor or not, but they should be. They, they're, they're everywhere else. They should be on here. Ozempic, sponsor us. Jamie, I want to go back into your past here. This is, oh, uh, this is like Jamie West. This is your this life. This is where I li- leave. Yeah, this is your life. Oh. That's, uh, that's like that old show. Uh, this week, the CHCH building was t- knocked down. The old CHCH building for many years that uh, you called home there for a while. Funny, uh, I've been, uh, when I've been downtown driving around to, to meetings and things, I've been making a point yeah. of circling uh, that old building. I mean, half of it is still standing. They're, they're getting at it. The, yeah. They've got the big clock, for, you know. Yeah, but the spaceship big, is coming down. Yeah, exactly. And it's three quarters of the way gone. And um, it, it is a sad feeling. It really is. Uh, you know, I... <laughs> Uh, and I think a lot of us that worked in that building are, are, are sad. It's funny how we get attached to these things, yeah. uh, in life. Um, and to, to see it wrecked, it's one thing to move out of a building like you guys at the spectator, you moved out of your yep. building on Frid street up, up to the mountain, but the building that you worked in is still there. It's a different thing when they tear it down and, uh, it's yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard to see because all your memories keep coming flooding back. And how yeah. long were you there as a reporter? I was there for for ten years. Really? Yeah, wow. yeah. Okay. I was there for ten years, and I and you know it set me up that opportunity uh, that John Best gave me back in 1990, I guess it was, uh, or 91. I can't remember. Set me up for uh, every good thing that's happened in my career after. So I've got a very very strong attachment. Uh, to that experience. So do you have a CHCH reporting story that, uh, that you always put at the top of your list as the most ludicrous thing that ever happened uh, or the best or whatever else? Well, there were, there's so many, I mean, there was, there was, uh, there, there were so many, I think some of the, 
some of the craziest stuff was when I would be asked to do stupid assignments. Like, and when I mean stupid, I mean st- like, go out and do a story on the wind. <laughs> how do you how do you videotape wind and make it into something? Yeah, I know you show a flag flapping. And yeah, yeah, but well, the, it's got to be creative, and then you the, do the voiceover work back at the office. Yeah, um, we. Exactly. We we had a guy. Uh, we had a guy who was the news director for a little while named Dan Rath. He was originally a reporter at the station way back in the early '80s, and he went away, and then he came back as the news director. And he was he was a riot because he really pushed us to do things out of the norm. And I remember being out at Carlisle Golf Course one time. We were, you know, what it was. We were doing a story about guys that were uh, going into the ponds. And, and scooping the golf oh, balls yeah. out of okay. ponds to resell them. But a couple of guys had done it and drowned. So there was tragedy involved. We were doing this story. And me and my cameraman, uh, a guy named Brian Wilrich, who was just a phenomenal talent, it, it, we thought about how are we going to do this? How do we get a shot of a golf ball going into one of those murky ponds? And uh, we went out and rented an underwater camera. <laughs> camera and brian got in the pond like up to his waist and lowered the camera in and and i would toss golf balls in front of the lens to get that shot Good thing of this a, was not in florida because he would have been eaten honestly you right, yeah you're right but but at the end of every newscast dan rath would put out these uh these critiques of our newscast and and all the reporters in the newsroom were vying for top grades from the teacher everybody wanted the gold star and so it drove us all into this competition and we got the gold star for for doing that we also got a wrist slap for spending all that money on renting a special underwater <laughs> camera the, the, yeah uh, the, i i i spent not not nearly as much time i i mean i spent Plenty of time though, and they're doing when Mark Hebsher and Donna Skelly yeah. had the uh, square off or live right. at five thirty. And I just I remember one time Mark called me up one day and said, "Okay, we want you to come in uh, because we want to talk about something." And I didn't really know much about it, but they needed a guest, and I said, "Sure." So I spent an hour or so that day. Just you know, you're only going to get two or three comments, so yeah. just I go in there. I'm hooked up. The camera's on your face. You've done this a million times. This here. I can make faces and people can't tell, but the camera's on your face and Mark starts to introduce me on a topic completely different that I have no idea at all. Don't you about love that? This. Like I, it was like he called up and says, I, you know, love we want to talk about the Hamilton Bulldogs and I get on there and he goes, we're going to now talk about, uh, yeah. the uh, appendix removals of the common house squirrel. <laughs> and and I am looking at the camera, trying not to look panicked, <laughs> trying to hold a face of, oh yeah, no, I'm all good with this one. And it was the first time that I ever learned you can talk while, and say words while in the back of your head, a different soundtrack is going on, is going, oh, on going what am I going to say? They used to happen to me all the time when I was doing live shots, live hits as a, as a reporter, it, all the time, all the time. Um, oh my goodness. Some of the stuff that happened, like. I remember b- b- getting ready to go on the air and do, do the weather. I was filling in for uh, Matt, and we were, we were doing the weather. And John Tuck and I were down with the live truck, and we he he ran a long cable, mic cable, and um, about ten seconds before we were going on the air, he says, "Step back a little bit. Just go back another step, another step, and then we we feel it and hear it click." The mics come undone like 30 yards away <laughs> and he scrambles up to try and get the, the mic reconnected. I'm standing there on camera alive and he's trying to get the thing together, the two ends of it. And he's so nervous. He can't, he can't get the two ends to go, to go together. And, uh, I think we made it within like one second, but that was, what did, you ever, did you ever have one of those times when you're doing a hit and you did not know you were on the air? And so they're either staring at the camera for 20 seconds. Oh, yeah. Or said something that was... Uh... Oh, no, ne- thank goodness, uh, ne- never uh, made that that error. Uh, I always, tr- anytime I was in front of a camera or there was a mic anywhere near me, I just assumed everything was live all the time. I always, I kept that in my head. And and I swear like a sailor. When I'm not in the air, people will tell you, I mean, I'm the, the original F-bomb dropper. Like, this is what a lot of us, not you... But and I can say that honestly because I know you, you don't do that. But a lot of us uh, in this business, I'll give away some trade secrets. When we're off the air or we're in the newsroom, oh, 
the swearing that go, uh, went on traditionally and off the air, it's because we can't do it on the air, I guess. Um, anyway, uh, no, I never got caught with, uh, w- with that, but I have stood there kind of looking like a deer in the headlights. And, and the, director, the director always cues you in your ear. That's how you know you're on. And sometimes the director would forget to cue you. And uh, they go, oh, oh, go, bud. You're on. Go, oh, uh, you know. Or, you know, we want you to, they'd say in your ear, you've got 30 seconds. Keep it tight. Keep it tight. So you're doing your little wrap-up, keeping it tight. And then you hear in your ear, made a mistake. you got three and a half minutes to fill. <laughs> Keep going. So so when I first started in Fun Hamilton, stuff. no, when I first started in Hamilton, uh, that your story just reminded me, when I first started here at The Spectator, as a summer student, uh, I did not have a full-time job lined up after that summer was going to be over, summer of 1989. And I thought, how do I stick around? And I heard that Cable 14 had an opening for a host of a show. And I thought, well, I'll go try that. Why not? And I had not done TV or radio. And I get to there, and they showed me about a 30-second clip. It was for, I remember, I remember, because it was so traumatizing. It was a clip of like National Exercise Day. And it was people like kids skipping rope or whatever. And so they said, we're going to show this clip. It's, a, it's a, an audition. We're going to show this clip. And then we're going to come to you on camera. And we need you to fill four minutes. Now, now I can, you know, I could do that. Then I yeah, said, I talked for about 10 seconds. And then, and then I got to the point where I couldn't think what I was going to say. And I said, so it's National Exercise Day. So you can run or bike <laughs> Or play baseball, or, or football, or golf, or soccer, and I just started listing every activity I could think. And I'm looking at the clock, <laughs> and I'm coming to the end of all the activities I can think of. Bocce, oh, yeah. you could ride a bull in a rodeo. You four could, four uh, minutes is a long time. You could ride an ostrich, <laughs> and I'm at like a minute and a half, and I'm like, what? In the, I, needless to say, I did not get that gig. Hey, I did. It was the same thing when I when I came here. Uh, they asked me to come here. Um, you know, the the late great Bob Sherwin uh, called me up and said, uh, "We want you to be our fill in guy. Would you be up for it?" I said, "I don't know. I've never done talk radio. I've done all kinds of other radio. Well, come in. We think you'd be a." So I come in and I'm working with the legendary uh, Jerry Loyenga on the on the board, and I'm and I come in with three ideas written down on a piece of paper, like just three things. No guest booked or anything. I'm thinking because the phone will light up like a Christmas tree. Like it'll be, it'll be easy. And it's in the evening. It's the same time slot you're in. And uh, oh boy, did I learn a fast lesson about filling time. Well, we got to take a break here. But um, you, you told me it was actually Jamie who, uh, before I did my very first show, said that to me. You, you don't, you may not remember this, but you gave me a good piece of advice, which was always have a topic. They can go at any moment. It's not timely. Always have a topic ready to go in case something goes wrong. And I've been on the air for about two weeks, not in a row. Um, and we're coming in f- and the, the music starts up and the guest, my producer at the time says the guest not answering the phone. <laughs> and of the course worst. I had forgotten or just plain ignored your good advice. <laughs> <laughs> Most people do. So I it's had, not that good. I had nothing. <laughs> I had nothing. And I'll tell you, there has never been panic in my world <laughs> like when that song is coming to an end and I'm yeah. still trying to think what do I talk about and I don't really recall go. but I'm still here so I couldn't have been you always go to garbage go to garbage and garbage recycling or cats yeah garbage that was your advice cats garbage or cats so so always. from here on if I ever a little piece of advice if I ever start talking about garbage or cats it's cuz a guest did not pick up the phone that's a little behind the scenes um two nothing a uh, two nothing florida by the way they scored near the end of the first period so not uh, not looking great for the leafs so it's best you stuck around and listen to us absolutely jamie west thank you for coming in been too long business doing pleasure with you as always thank you scott the scott radley show weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 chml the Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.